It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. It's Live in the Bream with the host of Fox News Sunday, Shannon Bream. This week on Live in the Bream, you know what we have to talk about. It's the midterms. It's wall to wall. It is coming down to the wire. And we have the very best person joining us to talk about this. Um, the man, the myth, the legend, Brett Baer. I'm not sure if there's a, a more appropriate intro for you than that. But maybe we could say <laughs> our top political anchor, the executive producer and anchor of Special Report, bestselling author, all those things. Brett, thanks for joining us. Hey, Shannon. Good to be here. Okay, so we have power rankings. We know what's going on in the House. You know, the talk is Democrats are just trying to stem the the tide of losses that history would tell us they're going to get anyway in a president's first midterm, not good for his party generally. Give me your take on the House. Where do you think we land Tuesday night? So I think, Shannon, the more surprising thing would be if Democrats stem the tide and keep it to single digits or low teens. That would be a more surprising story, I think, more likely is that Republicans continue this momentum that they've had over the past few weeks, and it gets north of 20, maybe up to you know, 35. If you start going into the 40 number, uh, you're talking about a really, really big majority, considering the fact that they held their own, you know, they held serve basically last election, mm-hmm. uh, Republicans did in the House. So uh, everything we're seeing, every poll on, on the generic congressional ballot is tilting Republicans' way, sometimes by five, six points in the last time the polling institutions put out their polls. Uh, so now it's R plus four, R plus five, you know, it depends on the poll that you're looking at. But clearly there's a momentum for Republicans. And the question is just how much? So we've asked this question. I know you have, and I have with many lawmakers who are trying to convince uh, folks that they should vote GOP. And they make a lot of promises, just like everybody does in an election. So a couple of things. First of all, what will they be able to get done if they do take the House? Um, Even if the Republicans, and we'll talk separately about the Senate, if they take that, there's a president sitting there with a veto. Exactly. And that's, you know, it's like the the dog that caught the car. Mm -hmm. Uh, What are you going to get through? And it will change the dynamic in Washington. It will force sides to negotiate. And um, there's a lot of people that say that's a good thing. You know, Mitch McConnell, the Senate Minority Leader, is campaigning on this message that, you know, we will make, elect us to control the Senate. We will make Joe Biden the moderate candidate he campaigned to be. And um, I think that that's, you know, the way forward as far as legislating. Uh, the, the question on the Senate is is kind of an individual race by race basis. Uh, they need to pick up two, Republicans do, two of the four of the toss-ups. And um, I think they're poised to do that. I mean, there's some polls suggesting they could pick up all four, at which point then some other races become possible. You know, the lean Democratic races, that's the New Hampshire's, and the Washington states of the world, Mm -hmm. which seem totally out of it at the beginning, uh, not so much as we get closer to election day. Yeah, I mean, uh, 
yeah, crazy for the Democrats to have to think those things would be in play. But so many of these polls are within the margin of error. So I feel like it's going to take a while for the dust to settle. Pennsylvania's secretary of state has also already warned us because of the way that they count votes. Be patient. This is going to take a few days. If Georgia goes to a runoff, that takes us into December. So we may all have to do a little of twiddling our thumbs until this thing gets figured out. (laughs) It's probably not going to be election night. It'll be election days or week. Yeah, we've turned it. It's election season, which thankfully for us that we love. Okay, so let's finish up with the House, because if Republicans meet every expectation there uh, and do have a big night on Tuesday and take back control of the House, then the question becomes for Republicans, they've got to, you know, we always talk about on Capitol Hill, you got to herd cats. It's not easy to keep everybody in line. The Freedom Caucus uh, obviously is the further right part of the Republican Party. If they have a good night, how much of a headache could that be for a potential Speaker McCarthy? You know, one of the things that um, that McCarthy got grief about was that they they didn't pitch this commitment to America, Mm -hmm. you know, their pamphlet uh, that much. Uh, But what I think it did, not only for the campaigning, but it, it gave them a blueprint as far as legislating. Um, when and if he becomes speaker and saying, we're going to knock off these things on this list. Um, So everybody can kind of get on board uh, with that because it's already out there and it makes it easier to to herd the cats in your words. I think that's a real problem, especially for Republican speakers, it seems. I mean, John Boehner had a real tough time getting all of his party together and there was a lot of splitting and heartburn over big pieces of legislation nancy pelosi doesn't seem to have that problem that much i mean there's a few uh, progressives that cause her headaches aoc and others Mm -hmm. uh, the squad but for the most part she cracks the whip and they all kind of fall in line republicans have not traditionally been like that um, but i think it does help that mccarthy has this blueprint or brochure uh, as far as legislative priorities. He's got some folks there calling for impeachments and, you know, other things that I'm thinking he's probably not going to want to spend his time on. But there are going to be hearings. You know, we hear from Jim Jordan and many others. They want to talk to the FBI. They want to hear about Hunter Biden. Do you think that there will be a lot of that House activity if they have a substantial margin Tuesday night? There will be. They're going to have to pepper it with, you know, actual bills that, you know, are aimed at doing things, even if they're not don't have a chance of either getting through the Senate or the president. Uh, But there will be investigations. uh, And Hunter Biden is definitively one of them. Immigration and the border and how it's been handled Mm -hmm. is probably one of them. Um, And. I don't think it'll stop there, but I do think that there'll be a limit to them so that there's a balance of actually legislating. You know, once you have the reins, even in split government, you've got to produce. Otherwise, that two years comes really quickly to 2024. Yeah, and I can't imagine there's going to be a ton of bipartisanship on big, really tough issues because then you're going into that next presidential election. There's always, listen, that's already started, but um, you and I know the day after this election, we'll be talking about that one uh, in earnest. Okay, so let's talk about some of the polls that we have on the Senate side. More are coming as you and I are recording this, but let's talk about Arizona. This Fox News poll out says, choice for Senator, if you were voting now, Mark Kelly maintains a two-point lead over Blake masters at this point. But that's closing because in August, Mark Kelly had an eight point lead. Um, 
again, within the margin of error. And I think Carrie Lake, you have to say, is a factor in what may happen because of her gubernatorial race. Yeah, she has excelled as a candidate, um, you know, talking to leaders in the Republican Party, the RGA, the Republican Governors Association and others. Um, she is a strong candidate. She's controversial, but she's very strong as far as her ability to campaign and her ability to get on TV and her ability to sell the message. So with that and a weak candidate in Katie Hobbs, uh, I think there is a sense that that will help Blake Masters, number one. Number two, the Libertarian just dropped out of that race and endorsed Blake Masters. So even though it's late in the game and even though they'll still be on the ballot, that's significant if it means even two points. Um, And then the third thing is, in all of these races, the last three cycles, we've seen Republicans undercounted in polls Mm -hmm. by anywhere from two to five points. If it's two points, Blake Masters wins. If it's five points, he wins big. Yeah, and the New York Times had an interesting piece on this, talking about the non-responsive voter, potential voter out there, how they um, don't like to take part in polls or be uh, as responsive as their Democratic counterparts. They said, uh, I think back in 2020, that they said, listen, we eventually get to enough calls and people so that we wait and balance our um, surveys and our polls, but it takes us a lot longer. They said it was about a 20 percentage point difference of Republicans willing to to answer the polls in 2020. They said this year it's 28 percent. So they think the problem's actually getting worse and making things trickier for pollsters. So all of us take these with a grain of salt. Okay, let's look yeah. at Wisconsin, too, where um, the current Senator Ron Johnson, the Republican, um, this race is probably tighter than they would like it to be. But our latest Fox News polling says if you're voting today, it's got him up by three over Mandela Barnes. But you still got 8% undecided. So yeah. I don't know if, Whenever if you they see break, if they make undecided. a decision, it seems it seems too late. Um, to be undecided, yeah. like, what else do you need to know one week out? Yeah, you're running out of time. Um, and I think, you know, some of these polls have undecideds at 8, 10, 12. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you see a high undecided number like that, and you see the environment that we're in, you have to take at least half or more than half of that and say it's breaking towards the the team that is the opponent, the outside of the White House control. So uh, traditionally, you know, Republicans pick up uh, 31 seats in the House and four seats in the Senate, not Republicans, the party out of power in midterms. Uh, this time, you know, if it if it holds to tradition, that would be, you know, a massive win uh, for, for Republicans. So I think those undecideds, you have to think even 70-30 that they're going to tilt towards the party that's uh, opposing the administration. Yeah. And in Wisconsin, um, there's been a lot of talk about crime. That's something that Republicans have seemed to um, harness in a lot of states, but it seems like it's been pretty pretty predominant there. Um, but both candidates, based on our polling, there are a large uh, there are large chunks of the electorate there who think that either Barnes or Johnson is too extreme for their vote, and that that begs the question of, you know, where are we and where do voters land? Did they look around and see? just the far ends and the extremes, which we know those are voices that get a lot of attention. Um, But are there really those middle ground voters? I mean, independents by most 
uh, accounts seem that they are breaking with Republicans because they're going there on issues of crime, of uh, economy. But are there really that many people in the middle? I think there may be, Shannon. They may not self-identify that way, you know, now because we're getting close to an election and it it may be cool to be the Republican or the Democrat. But it's um, I think that there are more center minded Americans than polls pick up and whether it's center right or center left, uh, it we always talk about how candidates stir up the base and that's how they get out the vote. But eventually in the old days, they would come back to the middle. Um, you're not seeing that as much. I do think that some, some candidates uh, like Ron Johnson in Wisconsin have talked a lot more about working with the other side as, as he gets, try, they try to paint him as extremist. But really the biggest thing in that race has been crime and has been defunding the police and the things that Mandela Barnes has said before uh, on camera. I mean, this is not stuff that mm-hmm. they're digging up out of a file. I mean, he's saying it to camera about abolishing ICE, about defunding the police and about cash, no cash bail, uh, which are factoring in to a lot of these big city crime problems. We'll have more Live in the Bream in a moment. Pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table to Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts. You and Martha just did a town hall with Tim Ryan and J.D. Vance, obviously a critical Senate race there in Ohio. What was your sense being on the ground? Because I always feel like when we get out of Washington and we go on the ground and talk to voters and we're around people who are seeing the ads nonstop and are actually going to have to make the decision, I feel like you almost get a better sense of where people are there. Yeah, I I do think that race is is tight. I think of the candidates that could have run for Democrats, Tim Ryan is the best candidate they could have asked for, 100%. And, um, but Ohio has been trending more red. Uh, Donald Trump won it by eight and nine points in the last two elections. And I think J.D. Vance is well poised there. Uh, He's new to politics, so he kind of had a slow start. Uh, but it would be a major, major pickup for Democrats if Tim Ryan was to win. That said, he was impressive in handling some tough questions Mm -hmm. at the town hall. He has a base of support. He really has to move voters in the Democratic bases of Ohio, Columbus, Cleveland. He really needs to move out that vote. And the question becomes... Are they motivated to go to the moderate, to your earlier question? Are they motivated to get out for the moderate uh, in these deep blue Democratic strongholds in Ohio? I'm not sure, but he does have support. What do you think is the net um, benefit with former presidents being out there? We've got President Obama. I mean, just fiery out there on the campaign trail, you know, and anywhere that President uh, Trump shows up and he's going to have a big one this Sunday um, down in Florida. uh, How much do you think? I mean, is the base already with them? Um, Do they sway independence in any way, do you think? It's kind of late. I've always been of the mindset that surrogates, no matter how high they are um, up the chain of, of importance, don't really move the needle that much. But what they do do is help with the get out the vote effort. Mm-hmm. They they help literally get people off the couch 
and say, oh yeah, I got to get out there and vote. And I think that that's the, the main point for former President Obama. Although he is making, a, he is delivering a message that's much more economic minded than it is about abortion or threat to democracy. That's sprinkled in his speeches, but he's spending a lot of time on Democrat versus Republican thoughts on the economy, which is something that President Biden did not do until recently. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's going to we're going to look back and say that that was a big mistake. Yeah, the, it seems like there's some consternation. And you and I know when these when these um, articles start ca- coming out with people pointing fingers, um, they're, you know, they're bracing themselves and they want to make sure that they don't get blamed as the strategist or the campaign pollster or whoever it was that that gave the advice. So we see a lot of finger pointing starting before we even get to Tuesday night. There's also something else looking beyond uh, Tuesday night. A lot of chatter about 2024 when President yeah. Trump may announce his intentions and also, you know, some pretty detailed reporting about the Biden team and how they're working up their possibilities for 2024. As you know, we have the George Will piece today where he's like, Biden-Harris ticket just absolutely doesn't need to show up in 24. Everybody's got an opinion. Right. Everyone has an opinion on both sides. And, um, you know, there are rumors that on election night that <laughs> the former President Trump is going to hold a, something and, and say that he's running. I, I oh, think boy. those are just rumors. The logistics are not are not there. I haven't heard specifics. Um, I know that, you know, the inner circle of Biden wants to portray this this running but there is a real battle uh and i it's hard to b- get my head around that president biden is going to run for re-election but obviously he could i think more likely is that we're going to have a cast of thousands mm-hmm. on both sides uh when it comes to candidates and probably after the first of the year is when most of them will announce their intentions. They have to start setting up these committees for financing. And that becomes the official, you know, hat tip to I'm in, I'm not in. And uh, listen, we know that a lot of this has been happening already for months, if not longer, people in New Hampshire, people in Iowa. Do you think if former President Trump decides to run, there will be a number of Republicans who get in? Does he clear the field by that announcement? What do you think? I think he clears a a few, uh, but I don't think he clears all. And I think that there will be candidates who stay in, uh, even though they may be, you know, semi allies of of former President Trump. I think Mike Pompeo is is running Mm -hmm. no matter what happens. I think Ron DeSantis is probably running um, whether or not Trump gets in. But I think that that's more of a question. Um, you know, I think Shannon eventually Glenn Youngkin gets in this race, the Virginia yeah. governor. And I, I'm uh, hearing that more and more, too. And there's a lot of money, big money that is starting to get their their head around Youngkin as far as um, going to conferences, listening to him talk. Um, and so, you know, these people can look great on paper. And then when you have to you know, schmooze the room or work the donors or make them believe that you could be president. Uh, some of them are, you know, not not that good. We well, remember the Scott Walkers of the world who on paper was perfect or the Tim Palentes of the world. Mm-hmm. And, and all those folks never made it out of start. 
Um, mm-hmm. So it's going to be fun. It starts this process that will be <laughs> two years in the making. Okay, final question. We all have our tricks. How do you get ready for election season, for election night? I mean, mentally, intellectually, but physically too. Like, are yeah. you are you seeing a finish line, or are we all pacing ourselves for December? Well, I do think we're probably going to have a Georgia runoff. The question is whether it's going to be the runoff of all runoffs, which means the Senate is hanging in the balance. Remember last Wouldn't time? Wouldn't be the first time. Um, and I, yeah, and I think that that's possible but i also think it's possible that on election night we would know control of the house and senate and and so that runoff becomes while important less of a importance but i I, it's hard for me to believe that that either warnock or walker can get to 50 percent. i do think Mm -hmm. kemp might might get there anyway uh pacing myself so Elections are really good for me because uh, I usually drop some pounds. And um, <laughs> most people uh, so though, they can't pay pick up pounds. <laughs> yeah, I'm the opposite because <laughs> I'm always on the move and I'm trying to exercise. And uh, so I really try to keep that up and watch what I'm eating. Uh, but on election night, it is, as you know, you're in that room. It's adrenaline and everything's happening mm-hmm. and they're in your ear and we're going to call Ohio. Then we're going to go to Kentucky and then, you know, it is our Super Bowl. So it's, um, you know, I think after covering it for a long time this year, uh, it's a little bit of osmosis, you know, a lot, mm-hmm. uh, but there's a lot mm-hmm. of data that fortunately our brain room and our experts uh, have kind of compiled for us to, to get to very easily. Well, a lot of special coverage between now and then. But of course, Tuesday night, the place to be with Fox News. We will have you cover Brett and Martha, Dana, Britt, Juan, Harris, Bill, me. Like, we'll all be there. And we hope you'll join us, too. So, Brett, thank you for the preview. And we'll see you soon. Live in the brain. We'll see you. Always. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in freefall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.